2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Welcome to Playful Podcast, your guide into the underground scene where we discover topics on kink and electronic music every week. Don't forget to subscribe to not miss out on our next episode. We're excited to be here today with Raffaello Donaloya, better known as MetaRolle is known for their industrial hardcore influence and crossbreed various genres. They're also known for performing, dancing and bringing a show whenever they are on stage. In this conversation, we speak about who Raf was when they grew up feeling as if they never fit in and always search for a home. We also speak about when they first arrived in London and then later on in Berlin, and we compare the two cities and their nightlife. And we speak about safe or safer spaces. Do they actually exist? And if so, what have they meant to Raf? As well as how important is that? Okay, let's get to it. I am Amanda, and this is Playful Podcast. Okay, so who was Raf back in school in Italy?
2: Ralph back in the time, obviously it was the type, this type of uh, black sheep, you know, of the family or black sheep of the village in a way, always been a bit uh, the weirdo of the situation, but in a way that's always been the only way that I felt I could only be, even if probably wasn't really the easiest choice to, to navigate the society that I was living in, because it was a super small village about like 500 fishermen (laughs) so you, you can imagine how yeah how could have been the the background
1: oh and also to know when you're that young that you are like the black sheep you know like to realize that that's very intense when you're so young i guess
2: Yeah, in a way, it just, you know, it slaps in your face because obviously, you know, you see things, you hear things that people, you know, yell at you or tell you on the street. And it was also, I think, a mix of different things. Like it was about my queerness. uh, It was about being homosexual. It was about being also mixed race and a bit Asian or a bit darker than the usual uh, looking Italian in a way. So in a way, even if all of this was something kind of like a heavy artillery on me, in a way it also shapes me to to shape who I am right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm also thankful to, to that in a way. I think in a way it was already like showing up because... Already I knew that I was discovering to be homosexual, but I was still already not really fitting or not really, you know, feeling to belong really to that specific community. So it was something else. I just completely didn't uh, really discover what was exactly or find other proper, like similar, like-minded people. But this happened when I actually moved to, to London that's you know where everything actually started to, to amplify because I started to meet other more inspiring people, see other possibilities of realities of just being yourself and to express yourself. Mm. So because before I was not even aware aware that, you know, I could have expressed myself in such a way.
1: Yeah. Were you do you have siblings by the way?
2: I do one older brother and one younger sister.
1: Ah, okay. But were you this internet mm. kid?
2: Well, back in the time, uh, internet yeah it was like finding like, community
1: and like discovering that there are oh. other people you know who who are maybe more so like you or also and also don't feel that they fit in.
2: So I remember that back then, internet came when I was about. 16 or 15, you know, properly in my house with the cables and stuff doing these weird uh, noises and stuff, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But back then, yeah, it wasn't really about uh, more finding that community. It was just, you know, exploring, you know, uh, this social uh, media world in a way. But also I moved out quite early in a way. So when I was 19 and therefore I just started to explore that in London right away without the, um, the internet uh, search part.
1: So you moved to London by yourself?
2: I moved to London by myself. Uh, I firstly moved in the south of England, in a very small village in a forest, because my brother was working there. So he just helped me out with the first steps, you know, to get a job there and starting to, to work and learn the language. And then after six, seven months, I moved by myself in London, where then I joined a friend that was already living there and then I just started up.
1: From the Fisher their, village.
2: From the Fisher village to the forest. No, the but forest. the friend <laughs> was from the Fisher village. Oh, no, just another village near okay. the Fisher village. <laughs> <laughs> it was all villages around, Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Wow. How does it feel when you go back to that city today?
2: Um, I still love it because there's still so many beautiful things that I appreciate from the landscapes, especially because I just spent a lot of time back then just contemplating nature and, you know, the quietness and the imme- like the depth and the immenseness of just, you know, the, of the nature, because it's also on the, on the, on the coast. I'm like five minutes away from the, from the sea. So I spend a lot of, you know, nights and morning looking at the sunset and sunrise there. And that's something, you know, very priceless in a way. So I still love to connect with that or also be able to see all the stars in the night sky, which is impossible in all, this, in all the capital that I lived, like London and Berlin.
1: But the nature is also something that has inspired you in your jewelry crafts right
2: in a way the natural part more reconnecting to to my roots as i'm a quarter maori so there is a lot of this connection with this tribal energy uh, that comes up in this expression of my jewelry And that's something uh, that I found it fascinating, discovering it after I started to to create uh, all of this. It wasn't something that just came out with a proper plan in a way. It was just something that came out out of, you know, need to create. And then this understanding and awareness came uh, afterwards. It was something that I felt uh, I was connecting my medium of arts with also my part of my roots in a way.
0: Mm.
1: And that's also something you discovered more so in London, or like put more energy into. Mm -hmm. And this one thing I thought about because I think a lot of people who move to a big city can feel that it's hard to find a community. Like the first... I know that many people have said that the first people they meet are necessarily not friends that you don't have for so long or feel like super deep connection to, but how did you find like your first connections or like the how did you find your community when you first came to to london for example
2: so uh for the first two years not much was happening also in terms of creativity and expression because I was really focusing on navigating this new space, this new society, learning how to be an adult, working and, you know, paying the rent and the bills and all of that. And it obviously it took a lot of time to climatize with the new environment. So for two years, I was not able to connect with my creativity for this reason, but it was there. It was just, you no know, waiting and accumulating in a way. Until the moment that about two years after I moved and I was working and everything but was nothing creative, it just was too much and it was really like exploding so... I lost a job and then I was looking for a job which was more creative.
1: So what
2: was the job you lost? So the job as I started to do in London was working in this Mexican restaurant, it was an American chain called Chipotle. So it was really funny cuz this like stereotypical American company, you know, where you you get inside and you can you get kind of like a brainwash with all the values of the company. So you have to believe in it, you know, even when you go out to sleep. And oh my God. Yeah. Exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. Like, <laughs> Very creative. How do
1: they how do they do just like a sect
2: it's a very like a secta vibe so yeah totally I
1: mean, <laughs> what did they tell you it was you hilarious
2: say? you know uh-huh. to, it was just hilarious to see who actually was really you know believing on it and stuff
1: what did they say for example
2: I mean they were like so you know motivational and you know trying to be such a good humans in order for you to even get more into the trap you know of the whole work because you see that the person is nice to and stuff <laughs> but yeah I arrived at the moment that even the universe Made me stop working there, and that's why indeed they like they fired me at the end. Good for you, good for me. Yeah, actually, all the fire that happened in my life there were three only happened to actually level up in life, and that was something interesting because I felt like it's almost like if I was procrastinating to make the change, but then the universe didn't allow that, so it made happen the change. So I had had to change.
0: Oh,
1: yes, I'm getting like. What's your view on like spirituality and these things?
2: I mean, I, um, I definitely see myself more spiritual than religious because I do believe in my own experience rather than believing in the experience of someone else and take it as an example to, to follow, like religion. And I do believe like in energies, I believe in intuition. And these are the things that I follow the most, really. like These are my guide signs.
1: you always have a strong intuition?
2: In a way, I think we all do have a strong intuition, but sometimes we have louder voices that confuse our mind.
1: Yeah. But did you always feel that you could hear your intuition stronger than your mind?
2: Well, I've always been sensitive in a way and sensible. Mm. So... I used to, to also see a bit more uh, like colours around people back when I was younger and stuff. Or us. Like auras and oh, really? and energy and stuff. It's something that I uh, kind of like lost throughout the time. Mm. I remember it was being very, very exciting to, to see this. But it's, it's in a way I still definitely still I'm connected to these energetic flows now. What probably. an amazing
1: <laughs> child you must have been. Like the cutest. And also it's very
2: synesthetic know? in a way. You know when you see colors or when you hear shapes and
1: hear shapes. And a, yeah, but did you have that? Like, did your family value that?
2: You? Oh, it was always something very secret in a way, mm. always secret. Maybe shared with some other friends that I could have shared these type of things because maybe they were also sensitive enough to to understand also things about telepathy or telekinesis and stuff like that was things that I've already kind of like experienced and explored a bit more in the past. I had my answers and then I just left it there. I didn't need to pursue it on it or you know just focus more than that. It was something like a personal proof in a way to myself. Wow you
1: feel like such a Old little soul, little wrath, <laughs> like
2: <laughs> right? <A little> <laughs> yeah,
1: but how did your musical journey look
0: like?
2: So my musical journey, just as a listener or as a musician, like yeah, like
1: everything, like from a from the when childhood you were, and stuff. Yeah.
2: Well, thankfully, uh, even if me and my father do not have many uh, connection, emotional connection, uh, we did share in a way, like a lot of my artistical endeavors actually comes from his side, because um, he first of all has a very good hand in designing, he's like an architect also, he primarily is an executive chef, but he was also very good in uh, designing. So this is something that came also from him. Also the love for the music, it comes from him because he's an audiophile. So he's been spending a lot of money in amplifiers and speakers of all sorts since I was a kid and just blasting music when he was coming back, You know, bringing a lot of CDs and cassettes. It was more rock, more classical, but still this uh, kind of like arise something in me from the early age. Then obviously you know I grew up in south of Italy, so uh, I was a victim of the radio. so you just ended up you know lis- listening to what everyone listened. So this type of pop music. But I got saved when I started to, to do dance and to um. go to contemporary dance. And the music, type of music that my teacher would use uh, was something more ambient or more experimental or more voice or cho based. So this started to to show me, you know, this more ambient and experimental electronic uh, side of music, which excited me a lot. So that's when I started to transition to that. When I was about 15, 16, I started to go to my first techno event. So that's when I that came. On. I was an early bird in a way. And also around the same age, I also explored also the more the rave scene, which was which is kind of like big in South of Italy with all this free techno rave party. So like with even the harder that. and faster genres of electronic.
1: And that was even in the South of Italy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. in South of Italy, there's also famous festival of this type of music where people from all over Europe come and stuff. It's this type of places that, you know, you need to take a car with your friends and travel like two hours and go like in a field and you just stay there for two days or something. So that was the type of uh, journey, and then when it came to when it came to London, after I started to to do some more performance work and stuff, I also started to to DJ, and I started with techno, more t- type of like Masio or Rimkovic Wild or techno. But then I started to discover also industrial and EBM and synthwave and darkwave. And that really like excited me a lot also because I started to to meet the golf community of London in the underground scene and that was super hyper exciting. Meeting Bad. all those amazing people and the community, and they show me a lot. That's actually where I learned more about performance art. Going to this club and seeing some performance acts during the the night, it really like blew my mind. Because when I was in Italy, I had no idea about this. I only knew dance, you know, in this theater, in this academical way. Mm-hmm. But this was totally more like a storytelling moment and stuff. So that's also when I uh, clicked again because I left dance when I was 18 mm. and then when I went to London I didn't do any project and stuff and then after two years when I discovered performance then I also started to to do it my myself too so I, I could reconnect with the, with the dance part
1: mm. it feels like you also always have been very drawn to uh, culture like the dance music the jewelry like would you say because normally i feel that if you're interested in culture it's very often something that your parents introduce you to also Mm -hmm. or it's like do you have do you did you feel that it also came from there for you or did you have to discover it yourself
2: I think in a way because already from when I was living back home in Italy and, you know, still where I was living, there wasn't really many much inspiration really out there. So it still really is a question in a way, you know, where it came from in a way. But I also feel like that perhaps the way how my, my father decorated our home and interior design and stuff because it was all pieces from China because he's living there since many, many years. So he's been bringing a lot of like furniture and like mosaics and so many things from there and I felt that definitely this in a way also started to shape a bit my creativity and my imagination in a way I think definitely this is one of the first steps obviously then maybe you know making research on the internet or whatever you know I could have seen more things Uh, but definitely obviously moving to London and stuff uh, enriched everything else in a way
1: I have I realized that I have a hard to like lose grip of Little rough, (laughs) but I'm just very curious. Um, what because I feel often kids are so easily shapeable and want to fit in and do what it takes to fit in. What do you think made you stand strong within your personality and who you felt you were at the core, even when people were making it obvious that you weren't fitting in?
2: Well, definitely it's, it's not easy, but I always knew that there was no other way to just be mm. apart from just being myself and keep expressing myself, because otherwise it will be like a, a lie. I would be lying to myself, you know, in a way. And already for me, this was quite clear. In a way, it was still very hard to go through and to navigate all of that and still standing strong. But something I discover and realize afterwards also, that expressing yourself, it's not even only for ourselves and to be good with ourselves and to feel, you know, uh, aligned. It's also for the others. It's also to give an opportunity to others, to show them the way, to show that this is okay, that people can also do it and you can just be yourself. I think, like, most of the people that inspired me, have have taught me this mostly that this is like a chain reaction like as people have inspired me because they were dressed in a certain way one day when I saw them walking also you know someone else will have this reaction with seeing me uh, walking on the street dressed in a certain way so I think if you can't do it only for yourself for sure you can also do it for the others in a way
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love that that is so true um well were you then Mm. ever like do you ever have stage fright or was the stage and performing always also part of who you are you think
2: well i think at the beginning it's normal for everyone to be a little bit uh frightened by the stage you know being on the stage under the light and in front of the crowd same can also be being in front of the camera These are all things that can, you know, create anxiety in people. But I think the more you do it, the more you practice something, the more you get better at it, the more you feel confident with yourself. So, in a way, like, I think my first approach with stages was already back then when I was doing dance. So already this, I think, helped me in a way to you know, to feel more at ease when i just started to perform as a dj but also same was when i started in london to performing clubs that already uh kind of like developed uh this kind of like tolerance uh to being on the stage um so that's why it came kind of like easy for me just to feel myself uh comfortable and at ease
1: yeah because today you're definitely a performer like Everyone know knows that they'll get a full-on show.
2: Yeah, sometimes this is a double-edged knife because uh, this is not something you know, I actually have a plan to create. I was just thought, you know, to do my own things. And obviously, I'm a dancer and obviously, I'm a DJ. So, obviously, I will end it up doing both sometimes and stuff. But then, yeah, I saw that it started to create this uh, this mix that, in a way, people were really appreciating way more than just, you know, a simple, like, DJ set, in a way. And, yeah, sometimes I have to say that it might be a little hard to, to cope up with it all the time because... Sometimes I feel like people are always expecting that, but in a way, it's not something that is also robotic. In a way, you know, it depends from so many things. It depends on my mood in the night. You know, it depends on the energy. It depends on the crowd. Also, that's that's something that. Um, it's kind of like it's very connected sometimes when i feel like you know the crowd is really there and they're giving me so much energy and everything you know just comes out naturally and stuff but sometimes i can end up playing in some places where i'm totally like you know can be out of the blue and stuff and the the crowd is not necessarily always giving me so much energy back and therefore also you know i cannot give back so much energy also
1: and i mean we all have good and bad days feel tired sometimes
2: yeah, we're also humans have, too <laughs> yeah
1: if you have so many gigs in a row and you're flying yeah. from destination to destination yeah like, and
2: people still expect you know 100 percent and stuff what is you know. aching yes <laughs> sometimes uh, yeah when it's like the third gig of the weekend and you still need to rock it sometimes like but you know sometimes you know even if the energy in the last party is super amazing everything doesn't mind you know like you just get adrenaline from this moment and you perhaps will die after the set but you're in the set it's all good you're rocking the game
1: (laughs) oh wow and then but from london you decided to move to berlin was that at the same time you also uh, got i want to say signed but i don't know if you say that by the pitch. Yeah, you, can signed? Signed, yeah. <laughs> you can
2: say yeah you can say
1: yeah yeah Was mm. that at this in the same
2: kind of similar thing. time yeah i moved in september 2020 and with bp i think it was something um like juneish juneish yeah august this type of time yeah because i think they noticed me after the second hair set i did uh, back in april and then that's why then they decided to, to reach out and see if I wanted to, to join them, which I happily did.
1: <laughs> yeah. How, how was the, what was the motivation to move to? Berlin, How did you usually come if on vacation before? Or?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was in London, and I think around the third year I was in London, I started to travel to Berlin to visit. And obviously I fell in love right away with the city, with the clubbing scene, and with the lifestyle, because it's quite different from London. But in the same time, I knew I was not uh, ready yet to leave London. I wanted to create something a bit more solid and concrete there in order to live, and then come here and just continue with that. Instead of, you know, just living too early London, didn't create something proper, and then I have to come here and start all over from zero. I was like, no, I'm not gonna leave London after all this effort and don't have something great in my hands. So that's why I decided to wait and then six year came and then Corona came. And that's when I understood it was time to to make the change, which was also quite like could have been you know, also like it was also quite hard to make a change and a move during Corona because of all the money and jobless moment and stuff. But in a way, work out actually really well for me because of the live stream and stuff.
1: Okay, because good. Also
2: People were not really party, so everyone was watching the live stream and that helped yeah. after to be booked. And, and
1: also well here it was cheaper to live,
2: right? Yeah, exactly. That was the other thing, you know, because it was I think like five months of no work and everything. And if I would have been in London it would have been way harder to actually sustain the rent and the life without job.
1: Yeah. But if you compare the London club scene to the Berlin club scene, how would you say they differ?
2: Oh, they're very different. Also, apart from the length, obviously London party about seven, eight hours max. Berlin, obviously we know how extended they are. Also, the people are different. Uh, I mean, in London is always more, a lot of more appearance in a way. In Berlin, you can get that too in some party, you know, more like some fashion people and stuff that, you know, just spend maybe more time, you know, just posing rather than dancing and raving. But also here you still have, you know, a whole clubbing culture and understanding of, of, of it and awareness and stuff, which you don't really have so much in London. So that's uh, that was, I think, the main uh, the main differences and stuff. But obviously, you know, also queer party in London were really like fun and fabulous, and I mean, also definitely people were putting more efforts in the outfits and expressing themselves, and that was, you know, definitely one of the most inspiring parts. Like party was always like super extravaganza, and everyone was you know a full on character. Uh, you don't really see that so much in Berlin, but it's totally understandable because different culture, you know. So you cannot be that dressed up as London for forty hours as you would do you know in Berlin. So it's about also practicality and uh, and according to that, yeah.
1: Yeah, and something that a lot of people are speaking about is obviously. If whether clubs are a safe or safer space or not, or like, you know, these kind, what's your, what's your view on that? Like, do you feel safe in clubs in Berlin?
2: I mean, I think in Berlin is trying to do a good job. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact About this raising awareness and, you know, trying to shape guidelines to actually how to create safe space, because it's not only about selecting uh, the good crowd with a door policy. This is one of the main first thing. It's also about the type of stuff that you have working for your party. For example, some security people can be very rude and can actually feel unnecessarily unsafe people. And this can also kind of like ruin the vibes because maybe the promoter are trying to make everything super safe and great, but then you know the stuff or the security is compromising that. It's also about having uh, diversity and equality in the type of DJ that you're calling, but also in the stuff that is working uh, in the club. You know, if you only have a whole staff of people working white, it's not really the most diversity place in a way. So, you know, it's all about different factors, different elements working together in order to create a really safe space for everyone, actually. So I can tell that Berlin is trying to do good things. Some clubs more than others also about, for example, toilet and gender neutral toilets and stuff. Berlin is kind of like pretty open to that, but the job has to be done obviously to the rest of the world and the rest of the, especially, you know, around us because they are very close, like in Europe. And I feel like I'm seeing also online, you know, more and more events um are raising awareness about uh you know consent, about you know, um uh, no discrimination of any type. And it's something nice to see also, you know, like people trying to to make the effort and not only in Berlin but also in other places.
1: Yeah, it's to, needed. It's very needed to inform people mm-hmm. about that it's because it's not obvious. Mm-hmm. And that's the sometimes you you may think it's crazy especially if you heard it for years you may think it's crazy but then you should go back in time and remember the first time you read it and how you were feeling like oh wow like i didn't see this before yeah
2: yeah right? actually yeah when you see, start to see also like this post like around the club you know with things uh, printed
1: yeah and then you also feel like okay probably the security is informed about this and then you would feel safer to go to them because it's been yeah, also
2: like seeing awareness team people you know it's something nice you know because sometimes some people can also come by themselves and you know experience certain things that you know maybe they're not feeling super well but obviously they're alone and stuff so they don't really know you know where to who to talk to but then seeing these awareness people you know just walking around and checking if everyone is okay I think it's something good you know for, for people also mm-hmm. and in some part i'm I'm seeing this more and more also so it's something great
1: yeah it's the proudness of it on social media and these things is also like pushing or like setting uh, it's uh, pushing other clubs to also get better you know yeah
2: to to show the way to To inspire them exactly
1: yeah Uh, is this because i have no clue i haven't been in london for like years is this also something that's going on that's happening over there right now think,
2: so in london i have not not been there so many times but back then which was two years ago and stuff i don't think there wasn't really like an awareness team um a big problem i think was also about the the security which most of the time was a bit too rude i remember also last time i played in london that was like a very off of zone, uh, like of uh, location and stuff. Like the bouncer, you know, were really rude also with me that I had to close on the clock, you know, and I was finishing the track and it was really like interrupting me and stuff when I was just saying that the track is about to finish. <laughs> but I remember that was a really like London energy and stuff. So yeah, definitely I don't think that the, I haven't seen also many, you know, uh, educational posts uh, about this from so many events there in London. But I think you know sooner or later it should get there, yeah, <laughs> should get a bit more everywhere and stuff, also, obviously, I think like in other queer parties and stuff, these things might be more spread out than maybe more like a straightish event in a way, yeah, but we need also that in the straightish event, <laughs>
1: yeah, and many uh like. Not many, but some sex clubs are also having a more so straighter energy. But anyway, whatever the sex club is, that is like so important. To like talk Mm -hmm. about what content is. Yeah,
2: exactly. And having a reminder printed, you know, around all the venue and stuff. I found that very something useful, actually. Even like myself, I got walking around and seeing this again was... Something that is a good reminder, you know, for people.
1: Mm, because, and mm. every time you allow something, you also have the same obligation to inform, right? Like, if yeah. it's not allowed, you can just sweep it under the rug. <laughs> but if it's allowed, then it's like, well, then there's... Some...
2: No, exactly. It's really important thing educate the people.
1: Yeah, for sure. Oh my God, I thought we talked in 20 minutes. <laughs> okay, i got to see what <laughs> <I have> I'm missing. <laughs> wow, I love... Uh, Speaking to
2: you,
1: (laughs) what makes you stay in Berlin today?
2: Obviously, I love this liberal, open-minded lifestyle that you can have here in Berlin with, you know, based with all these amazing people that you meet here in Berlin. And the lifestyle is very relaxing in a way. For me, it's relaxing because obviously coming from London, where there is this hyper work energy, it is very relaxing. And then something I really appreciate since I moved here. Uh, Definitely, uh, I really love the lifestyle here. And I feel like this is the place where I should be at the moment. But um, I gut feeling. yeah, that's the gut feeling that that's where I should be here. I don't know if this gut feeling, though, I will say, you know, for really, really long in a way. Because this winter depression here, it's really heavy. You feel it? Yeah, not necessarily me, but definitely outside of me. You know, I feel that people are going through this. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm seeing the city's gray and it's dark and all of this. And that's not, uh, is that's not an energy booster for me. And, you know, the fact that I'm traveling a lot now for work is allowing me to actually see many type of realities that I could be living. So, you know, that's why I'm like... What I'm actually really doing here in this yeah. moment. So I'm thinking perhaps in the future I'll either keep living in Berlin but only six months, so like spring and summer, and then live elsewhere a bit sunnier and brighter and warmer for other six months, still in Europe, still nearby. Yeah. Still need to figure where.
1: Yeah, I was like weird
2: <laughs> I don't know, maybe something like spain or Italy or Portugal, something more in those sides because mm. that's where the sun is. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I hear it's really cold in Portugal in the
2: winter. Yeah, it is actually. But
1: it's sunny, so it's.
2: Yeah, you know, the thing is, it's not really so much about the warmth because obviously winter is supposed to be cold or colder. But it's about the light. Mm. You know, the light it really affects me a lot, really. True. If I wake up and I see the light, my energy is two times, two thousand times more than when I wake up and I see this cloudy, doubtful mood. <laughs> no, it's true.
1: You wake up and it's dark and then you've been up for five five hours and it's dark again
2: no yeah it's it's not really the best and the fact that i'm seeing this every weekend you know in different places i go i'm like okay because obviously if you always stay here you don't really you know feel these needs or see the comparison as much yeah Totally. But also, you know, also the clubbing scene here in Europe, like comparing Europe is one of the most amazing, exciting here in Berlin.
1: At least it offers that.
2: Yeah. This is, you know, one of the compensation that you definitely can enjoy, you know, this moody, depressive winter.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Speaking of, like, do you prioritize partying still now that you are so busy and travel a lot?
2: Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. I never really so much prioritized. It was always like something balanced for me because for me, everything is about balance. And too much partying is never good. Too much nothingness is never good either. Relax is not good. So even now more that I work so much and stuff for me is actually super important to have a very balanced week with my routine, with my gym and with uh, all the work that I have to do. So then I can feel more balanced to just get messed up, you know, in the weekend because there's not much of sleep. There's all the food, you know, it's all up and down and changing and stressful sometimes with losing luggages or delay of flights and yeah so in a way that's how i balance and i manage uh, with the rhythm of the weekend mm. i have something like my ritual i yeah, always mean- go to to my favorite italian restaurant you know when i come back i go always to sauna to sweat everything out What's to sauna? relax
1: like a gym sauna mm? like the gym sauna
2: no like Bali or um, sort So
1: good. <laughs> Okay, so what's more routine? Yeah, what more kind of what what more Well
2: my other routine obviously I go to gym from Monday to to Thursday because on Friday I travel and then I also try to eat a bit more balanced. Then I also do my Ableton session and stuff. Yeah. Because there's always some deadline. So this is my type of routine. And then in the night I reward myself, you know, with something more relaxing, you know, like meeting some friends or, you know, just chilling or all of this.
1: The eating healthy is something I hear so many touring artists talk about now.
2: It's very bad. You know, it really fucks up with the stomach, you know, because sometimes in tour, you know, you always eat in different times and different food from different parts of the world. And sometimes your stomach is not really used to it. So I think trying to balance in the week, I think sometimes is something helpful obviously in the in the gig also trying to don't eat junk food and stuff is something good yeah
1: because also especially this winter everyone is crazy sick like everyone is sick all the
2: time i'm actually sick a bit yeah (laughs) i mean it's just
1: it's it's like it's crazy i i think after the pandemic also it's just so many different bacteria that we don't know of but if you are an artist who are your your work in, work environment is the club then you cannot you cannot avoid it if you have no. another job you were like i, I can't go out because I, I cannot afford to be sick next week but it's like that's your home
2: yes yeah so that's where i'm gonna be yeah
1: so food is then obviously crucial like vitamins and these things. Yes,
2: supplements and all of this. Yeah, I think it's really important to really balance it. Otherwise, you know, you, you just kind of make it or you just start to become not healthy and on a long run doesn't work. Yeah. Maybe it works on a short run, but if you keep doing it, then you will see the, the result in a way.
1: Yeah, definitely. Better
2: don't push it. <laughs> Better behave. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Is there... A moment when you think, when you look back on your career, where you think like the, that's where something inside of me clicked or something like this.
2: Uh, clicked for... Uh...
1: Like that's was such a, that had a huge impact on why I chose this path or it's something that kind of like evolved it somehow
2: yeah it definitely evolved it was like a very organic flow in a way it was nothing that i never so much dreamed of or planned as i said before it was something that generally just came through uh and then i just accepted it and i embraced it and own it in a way
1: yeah so like what has been one of the biggest highlights like a gig or something
2: in the last year you mean or or like
1: since you started
2: i mean so basically everything pretty much started with this live stream for her Mm -hmm. back in april because after two months europe started to open up and then that's when i started to be booked way more in europe because before i was only performing in london a little bit in france and in ukraine But then after this gig, uh, that's also when I started to have my first tour in uh, South America. And then, you know, just happened other two tours afterwards and I'll be going again shortly in uh, Colombia in in February. Mm -hmm. I think that definitely, you know, the party there in South America has really like shaped, you know, beautiful memories and of energy and warmth and expression of the people. That really stayed a lot in my mind and uh, in my heart. Like, that was
1: recently. All the time.
2: Well, I've been there three times. So every time I've been there, it was always something like unforgettable. The last time was in uh, April. Yeah.
0: Right?
2: Yes. Was no, it? you were
1: not in South.
2: Well, no, I've been there again. No, yeah, I've been there in April and now I've been there two months ago. Yeah,
1: actually. exactly. I, was, I even yes. knew that. <laughs> or not really. I but. was
2: a little bit, <laughs> yeah. I'm confused. Because I
1: remember seeing uh, you post about it.
2: Yeah, recently, yeah, yeah, definitely was. Like and it was with ago. such a
1: thankfulness or like happiness and like like a sense that you
2: really enjoy that. Yeah, especially Colombia. Like I feel like Colombia is the most evolved in the whole uh, South America with this whole new generational techno. Because also I think it was one of the first country there that started to push with international artists, like basically now all the international artists of this genre already been there playing. And it's something like magnificent, you know, for South America in terms of culture Mm -hmm. to shape the culture to all the new generation calling actually international artists, because also they have amazing uh, local artists, but obviously you start to to, you know, to shape a lot of culture also through the influences of the um, international artists. It was also very beautiful to discover, you know, other countries like Chile or Argentina, also Costa Rica and Ecuador. It was really like fun experience because there was even more in the primary state. So like in in Costa Rica, for example, I was the second international artist that they have So, you know, the scene was super fresh and it was already like, so, uh, so energized, you know, energetic and so wild same in Ecuador also. So it's really exciting to see, you know, these new countries, you know, embracing this new vibe and reproducing, you know, these beautiful vibes of queerness and expression throughout the globe. Yeah. It's so beautiful.
1: Exactly. And imagine how much that means in that country where it's not mm. accessible
2: exactly it's yes. like
1: do you feel For sometimes them it's so
2: precious you know because they're yeah. not as privileged you know
1: and do you, do you think sometimes when you are in it that it's somehow performing too little rough you know showing this person who were who didn't have any anyone to like feel connected to feel alike. do you do you think it's like somehow That also is a thought you have when you're performing that like.
2: Yeah, it is because also like. Uh, they're very more, you know, Latino people are way more, you know, warm and expressive than almost like Central Europe uh, population in a way. So they just come to tell you this, you know, how important, you know, f- for them is, you know, to have artists like me or queer artists there to show the way and, to, uh, and way to just being yourself. And that's why it's also so beautiful for me to see all those beautiful communities, you know, so sort of non-binary people that come there and, They are just, you know, like screaming and showing all the love. This is like one of the most beautiful feeling, you know, from, from the job is traveling and meeting, you know, all the communities across the globe and sharing this moment, this night of love and unity yeah it's priceless, completely, like you know it's so tiring as a job, travelling and performing and being on shape and everything, but this is priceless, so this is what also motivates me a lot in to keep going
1: yeah, yours being it's very tiring to travel also, but we have also spoken about how you recharge your batteries, that mm-hmm. it's the.
2: yeah, there's something actually very important to say that mm-hmm. the problem is not when there's a lot of work to do the problem is when you don't recharge enough and i think this is something that is a key in a way because human it's really like human being is very adaptable but obviously you need to make sure that you find also the same time and amount to recharge yourself and that's like my secret because a lot of people still you know are questioning like how I managed to go through all of this and in the week still to work and do everything, go to the gym and do the deadlines and the tracks and the jewelry and all of this. But as long as you balance it properly, everything then, you know, this is definitely achievable.
1: How do you balance it? Like, do you have a schedule
2: then? Or like- with, uh, with, you know, all these recovery parts, in a yeah, way.
1: Yeah, because if you... With
2: discipline also.
1: Yeah, you need to be so strict, I guess. Because if you skip one thing...
2: Yeah, strict, but also don't be too strict, you know. Mm-hmm. Just also manage, you know, create time to enjoy life also. Because we cannot be just machine. Yeah. It's all about balance of all of this, in a way. So you can just feel... You know, great with yourself, but also not too overstressed, you know, from everything that you wanna do. Life is also to be enjoyed, not only to, to create in a way.
1: Yeah. But sometimes I feel like there are these things that you don't really think is like giving a lot of life, like for example, sitting on social media. But it's time consuming as
2: mm. fuck, right? time consuming, energy consuming, mind consuming.
1: And it's hard to realize that it takes so much time and then you're like oh should i you know um do something uh, go to the gym and then you're like ah no i'm tired and then you like sit and you you yeah. scroll
2: yeah what i say <laughs> to myself is that i don't even have the possibility to be tired so for me there's no even a possibility to skip in my brain mm. so that's why then you don't start to question it Because there's no question, girl. (laughs) You have to go. (laughs) Yeah. But you also have
1: strict rules for yourself when it comes to social media, for example, that you're not hanging out there so much or, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, after, for example, like 7 p.m., my replying and stuff starts to be completely gone on almost so i set my boundary like when i wake up i start to control everything email messages and stuff Then, i have to do a post i do it within uh, six or eight pm max because that's the good time and after that I'm not that reliable. I'm not so available. I have to be present, you know, in life because probably I'm meeting someone because that's when I stop working away. So I'm chilling maybe with some friends. And if I'm with someone else, I'm present in the moment. So no phones are allowed. But it just comes naturally. Like I don't even have to think about it that I don't have to use the phone because I'm with my friend.
1: No. No.
2: So then it's, then obviously it comes that it's very late when I come back and then I go to sleep. So I don't deal with that anymore. So in a way I put my boundaries, otherwise it will just, you know, suck all your energy and drain you.
1: It does. Yeah, for I can sure. Imagine, uh,
2: for other people, maybe do this for work, you know, like mm-hmm. working with social media and stuff like yeah. how draining it is for them.
1: Exactly. And it's hard to know like Am I working right now? Well, yeah. <laughs> or am I not? Yeah. That also can also be. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> and so we have come to the extra material. We have now come to the part of the podcast where if you're a Patreon, you'll get to listen to the extra material, where we speak about how to reach out with your music, what sound is in right now, and why the sound that's in isn't really doing much for the producer who created it. We also speak about how you can reach out with your music, and Miette reveals some big goals for 2023. If you're curious, go to patreon.com slash playfulmagazine.
2: either this or it's that this is this or
1: that so i'll say two alternatives
2: okay
1: and you say which one fits in the best on you or like which one you prefer of okay. them uh, london or berlin berlin oh look at that <laughs> uh, tarot cards or crystals Tarot card. Uh, yeah, you have that.
2: Yeah, maybe. i'm just choosing between them, yeah. or if I have to, if I also have them, you mean?
1: No, I just. Another that's question. An, another question. Uh,
2: I do not have any specific tarot card with no. me at the moment.
1: No, but you have it at home.
2: No, uh, no, at the moment. No, no, no.
1: But you have. Okay, but you. I'm have...
2: involved around tarot card ah. people, definitely. Yes. Ah,
1: so you get readings by friends and these. And do you think it works?
2: yeah depends also who's reading so depends on you know how accurate can be the message but in a way uh, it led me the way yeah it's not something I always do you know it's not something that to all my questions I go to to call some friends
1: yeah
2: but sometimes it just comes by the universe itself and I just take it and maybe in that moment I actually need it and in a way it works
1: Yeah. yeah okay cool and this one we got the answer to, go for a run or go to the gym.
2: To the gym, so I do everything there. I yeah. run, <laughs> I do all the exercise.
1: So you're not a nature person.
2: Well, it depends. In that S- sense. Spring and summer more.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And also at the moment I just started this this process with gym, so which inquires with machine and stuff, uh, which I'm just exploring it more now. Uh, before, maybe I was exploring more, you know, the natural running and doing that type of exercise at outdoor. Ah. So it's just more like now I'm shifted into this phase, but I definitely love a run during the spring and summer.
1: Okay. Nice. Christmas or Halloween? Halloween.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so great.
1: <laughs> Extrovert or introvert? Introvert. Yeah. Do you think it's... Uh, then tiring the work you have meeting so many people each weekend who you don't know like is that part of the job that you feel is the most tiring or uh
2: it's uh one one of the parts let's say the most tiring in a way this uh social interaction but gladly uh i managed to always end up with people that i still vibe with even if you know i'm maybe a bit tired already and stuff the 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 easiness of the flow allows it to still you know navigate it without issue but you know if i don't feel so much vibe with someone then i just don't have to prove anything to or you know yeah so
1: exactly <laughs> red wine or red bull
2: Uh, I will say Red Bull, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, (laughs) are you a coffee junkie? Uh,
2: Because I don't don't like wine. It's really Ah. strong on my stomach.
1: Ah, it's very acid.
2: Yeah. So that's why I don't really drink so much in gigs also for this, because maybe I can drink one or two glasses. But wine, it's uh, very triggering in a way. And I like an energy drink, but not as much, because otherwise your heart pumps too much. Mm. So that's why I will say Red Bull. That's why... (laughs) Yeah. I'm not so proud of it.
1: <laughs> it's funny, though. Okay. Finding <laughs> out. Okay. Silver or gold? Silver. Yeah. Uh, latex or leather? Leather. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Panorama bar or Bergheim? Bergheim. One best friend or several semi close friends
2: one best friend
1: yeah that's the the uh, introverts answer right
2: (laughs) you need more quality than quantity
1: yeah yeah uh tokyo or new york tokyo yeah feels uh i'm just saying yeah whatever i'm thinking (laughs) i I place you in a category (laughs) thank you (laughs) sex or making out making out nice thank you (laughs) so much it
2: was so fun
1: yeah
2: so easy to talk to you (laughs) yes thank you so lovely you're the best okay you are
1: (laughs) this was it for playful podcast this week but please follow subscribe and listen to our next episode and if you want to have a say about future artists or even ask your own question to one of our guests Follow us on Instagram and make sure to add your question when we lift our coming guests. Thank you so much for joining and see you next week.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello?